Hello and welcome to another episode of The Village Chestnut Tree, a podcast about the American chestnut and occasionally other trees in trouble. I'm your host Emmett Hoops and I'll be with you for the next 12 to 15 minutes depending as usual upon how loquacious I am. Anyway, I did want to check in with everybody and talk about the American chestnut past and present and what I mean by that is the um, the way that chestnuts are growing in the wild today and the way that uh, they had been in the past and how they affected people and this episode is going to be informed by a recent trip that my wife and I took to West Virginia and what we saw when we were there. So let me just uh, get started here and tell you there are uh, a lot of different chestnut hybrids. I talked about that in the last podcast. There are, uh, well, the the main one is uh, about 14 fifteenths uh, American. The one, the, or is it 15 sixteenths? That's what it is. It's 15 sixteenths American chestnut and 1 16th is uh, Chinese. And there are two of these hybrid chestnuts growing in Watoga State Park in Pocahontas County, West Virginia. And they were planted about, let me see, six, ten, about 12 years ago. The superintendent of the park there was told that uh, these were blight tolerant and indeed they are uh, but what it seemed to me when I went to I saw them about six years ago and uh, both of the trees had evidence of blight but it was difficult for me to judge just seeing it once if the tree was successfully dealing with it because a, a tree a, a chestnut can have um, a bad instance of blight. It, what I mean is the five or six different spaces on the tree, down on the trunk and way up in the branches where the uh, the fungus Cryphonectria parasitica has has infected the tree. But the tree can successfully deal with it. So it might have a scar. It's the, in the same way that if you get hit by something and it puts a break in your skin, your body can recover. Sometimes you do have a scar, sometimes it disappears completely. Well, with a chestnut uh, dealing in this kind of a situation, it leaves a kind of an ugly scar on it. The less tolerant, uh, yeah, the less tolerant a chestnut is, the greater the scars and the greater the risk that it will be too catastrophic for the tree to overcome. So I went, in, as I said, I was in Watoga this summer, and it's the first time in six years that I had seen these trees. And I was hoping, oh boy, I just hope that they're still there. Well, they are. They're kind of bushing out. They're about 20, maybe 20, between 20 and 25 feet in height. They're about as broad as they are high and I'm wondering if that isn't part of the problem with the hybrid that uh, because these are planted by themselves on a, 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 
a hillside overlooking a valley so there are no other trees in their immediate vicinity and I'm wondering if these trees are not limited by their genetic inheritance as to how high they will get that would be an interesting thing I'm gonna go back there every couple of years and uh, check these trees out and see what's uh, you know I want to take some accurate measurements and see how quickly they're growing because I know how high they were uh, six years ago anyway when I looked closely at the bark I saw that there were several instances on both trees of blight and in fact the leader on both trees had died back and was replaced by a secondary leader that took its place to go back up um, there were some branches that had just died this year because of a new instance of blight on the on a branch that was able to completely go around and girdle the, the bark on the branch and what it looked like to me was uh, a tree that was in pretty bad shape but somehow surviving it reminded me of a 1959 rambler with uh, with wobbling tires and dents and rust and the the hood is being held down by twine and the, the windows have to be propped up with duct tape but it still manages to go 45 miles an hour that, that's about what this tree looked like to me uh, all dents and warts and scars and everything but it's uh, the both of the trees are surviving and they are, if you happen to be in that part of the world, they're at Watoga State Park at the top of uh, Cheek Hill. There's a trail that goes um, from the, I think the Pine Run Cabin area goes up to the, the, the Cheek. But you can, you can look online and find Watoga State Park and look for the, the Cheek Overlook. It's named after T.M. Cheek, who was a conservationist who had a lot to do with uh, the state parks in West Virginia. Um, while we left Watoga, we went to another part of that area and went over to the Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. And of course, I was interested in finding out if anybody there had seen any instances of uh, American chestnuts either re-sprouting or growing spontaneously possibly from seed somewhere and I went into the ranger headquarters and everybody there knew something about chestnuts everyone had seen one everyone was interested in the subject um, because one of the terrible tragedies that happened at Shenandoah recently was the loss of 95 percent of the hemlocks in Shenandoah National Park and that was because of the hemlock woolly adelgid. Um, that is a there there's an overlook called hemlock grove all you see is towering dead trees it's it it's what that part of the world must have looked like when the chestnuts um, initially when the chestnuts disappeared because they were killed just as rapidly as the hemlocks um, I don't know how we're going to prevent that from happening in northern New York where I happen to be I know that they were found about 150 miles south of here that uh, pest the adelgid 
and the state is frantically trying to stop their march northward because uh, a lot of the boreal forest has hemlock in it and that's what uh, we have here in northern New York anyway um, but I I went walking through the woods and I was uh, very pleased to find a couple of small chestnuts I didn't see any that were clearly growing from a stump so there must have been a tree at some point in the background that was uh, mature enough to be dropping seeds and in a part of the <laughs> in a part of the world where you don't go a day without seeing several deer I'm surprised that anything sprouting up in the woods in the Shenandoah National Park ever gets a chance to mature but uh, I saw a couple of chestnuts that were about uh, I don't know, between 6 and 12 feet high. Nothing major. I didn't see any instances of blight because you don't really see them on very young trees like that. But it was nice to see them. Uh, just I don't know if you've ever seen a chestnut in the wild, but they're kind of goofy looking trees when they're young. They, they, they would if they were a human. They'd be missing a front tooth when they smile, or have some kind of big gap tooth smile. They're they're kind of goofy trees, and this one was just kind of an S shape. The one that I took a a picture of, the sun was shining on it just right, and uh, the it it just seemed to be. I know I might anthropomorphize a little bit too much, but it seemed to be this kind of lackadaisical attitude that the tree had taken. Like, yup, I might not get any bigger, but at least I'm getting some sunlight. Ah, well, it was a, it was worth taking a picture of. <laughs> that was growing on the, uh, if you happen to be down there, that was growing on the Stony Mount, on the Stony Man Trail. Um, just keep your eye out when you're down toward the parking lot for the chestnut about six feet or eight feet off the uh, trail. Anyway, the interesting thing is that almost everybody that I spoke with had something to say about chestnuts. From waitresses to uh, volunteers in the state parks to uh, f uh, friends to friends of friends everyone seemed to have something to say about the American chestnut. Everyone had some knowledge, at least in the parks that we were in in Virginia and West Virginia, they had some knowledge of the disappearance and when it happened and that there is some research going on to uh, bring back the chestnut. What they did not know was that we have an effort to bring a transgenic tree and that that is going through the regulatory process now. Every single person I told about that was very pleased to know that there is the potential for reforesting some of the areas that are that would that are high impact, high visual impact places. The places in the Shenandoah Park or in Watoga Park where you would uh, have stand the I don't know where you take the nicest pictures, you know, the, at the top of a hill you could plant one, or in, uh, in, in the middle of a, uh, a big field. Something where you'll make maximum impact by planting these trees. I know that uh, a ranger in the Shenandoah Park told me that she can't wait 
until they're able to plant chestnuts, especially because of what's happening with the ash tree and what has already happened with the hemlock. She said, we can't just keep losing things. And of course, while I was down there, this is probably the worst year for gypsy moths that anyone has seen, at least in 20 years. The oak trees in the Shenandoah Park are in, I don't know what is causing their mortality, but uh, I understand that this is not uh, a unique thing to have so many gypsy moths in that part of the state, that they have infestations more frequently than we have in uh, the northern uh, sections of the country. Uh, we might have some reason to be thankful for our cold weather, but the I, there are an awful lot of oak trees that seem to have no leaves at all and when I looked I saw that all they had was the out the outlines of some of the stems because they had all all of the leaves had been destroyed by gypsy moth caterpillars and while I was there uh, the caterpillars had already metamorphosed and there were gypsy moths flying everywhere people picnicking were swatting them away and one interesting thing happened I the la about 20 years ago the last time there was a really bad infestation here in New York State I heard that uh, the problem was that there were no natural predators of the gypsy moth and I don't know if that was true but what I saw in the Shenandoah Park was the gypsy moths didn't stand a chance to the juncos that were uh, feasting on them. I never saw a bird eat a gypsy moth before, but I, for so, somehow the junco has developed an appetite or it was always there, and what I heard 20 years ago was either false or maybe I didn't remember it correctly, maybe. Anyway, now the last thing I want to bring up is the other thing that I learned when I was down there, and that is this. This is about the chestnut in the past. I'm going to read to you something that was in a pamphlet published by the National Park Service. Chestnut blight arrived in 1904, carried into the United States by imported Chinese chestnut trees. With the death of the chestnut in much of the East over the next 30 years, a prime source of income rapidly vanished. About half the people had moved off the Blue Ridge by 1925, just as plans began to establish a national park here. Several, severe drought and a widespread epidemic of hog cholera furthered the economic plight of a rural population moving into the Great Depression. All right. Well, think about that. Think about what I just read. The population of the Blue Ridge declined by about half in the years that the chestnut blight destroyed the chestnut trees in the Blue Ridge Mountains. That is, that is something that never even occurred to me. But a people who depended on collecting chestnuts and selling them for cash and who also fed them to their pigs um, 
and there were a lot of pig farmers in that part of the in the Blue Ridge Mountains. You know, everybody knows about Virginia ham. And they were they were for people who were too poor to buy uh, commercial feed. They would just go into the woods and collect chestnuts. It was an enormous blow to the population of the Blue Ridge when the chestnut died. Now just just thinking about that thinking about how the absence of a tree can force population change and the impoverishment of an entire culture that's something worth thinking about as we move forward and you know the the next tree pest unfortunately is still in our future and what tree it's going to be and how it gets here it 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 all of it adds up to we have to rely on science to bring us the answers to the problems that we are giving this world all right well before i uh, make this even longer than it has become i think I'm going to wrap it up here and remind you to get out there and look for chestnuts. They may still have the uh, catkins on them, so I don't know. Maybe if you return in late August or in September, we'll find some burrs on some of these trees. That would be exciting. I know I had catkins on the one growing in my front yard and uh, I'm, I'm excited about seeing what that might produce. Get out there and enjoy the weather. If, it, if it's anything like it's been in northern New York, bring an umbrella. And remember to always be like a tree and keep looking up. <laughs>